With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is the Turn on the Jets podcast presented by Prime Sport. With the third pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the New York Jets select Sam Darnold, quarterback, USC. What should the Jets expect from you? Um, a lot of wins. And now, here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. This week, we are joined by Mike Tenier of the Bleacher Report. We're going to talk with him about Sam Darnold, uh, the off-seasons in the AFC East, uh, the recent NFL anthem issue and the Jets' response to it, uh, among a few other things. Really good, interesting conversation. Mike's uh, a really good writer. Uh, over at Bleacher Report, so we're going to get into that interview in a couple minutes. Before we jump into it, want to remind you guys, this podcast is brought to you by Prime Sport, official sponsor and team partner of the New York Jets. Make sure to check out primesport.com slash turn on the Jets to learn more about their hospitality and ticket packages for the upcoming season that schedules out. Opening up Monday Night Football in Detroit, of course, before coming back home for the Miami Dolphins. Again, that's primesport.com slash turn on the Jets. Our podcast is also brought to you by Razor Sport. That's R-A-Z-E-R-S-P-O-R-T dot com. Sports gambling is legal. Get some guidance. Get some advice. Make sure you join the member section of Razor Sport. Give them a follow on Twitter at Razor Sport Club. Check out their website at R-A-Z-E-R. S-P-O-R-T dot com, Prime Sport, Razor Sport. Show your love to the different members and supporting podcasts of the Turn on the Jets Digital Podcast Network. Our current shows running right now in network are this podcast, the Turn on the Jets podcast. Please make sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave us a rating and review. The Play Like a Jet podcast, hosted by Scott Mason. The new Buck the Trend podcast, hosted by Daniel Eason. The Jet Take podcast, hosted by Kyle Fahey and Ben Blessington. The Draft Season podcast, hosted by Dalvin Osario and Joe Malfa. I believe I got them all, but honestly, there's so many, it's not easy to uh, keep track. Oh, of course, Stick to the Jets podcast, hosted by Connor Rogers. Um, Only other PSAs, a friendly reminder to follow Turn on the Jets on Instagram, where I turn on the Jets underscore IG. Uh, We'll be doing some more live video there. Uh, By the time this airs, Connor and I will have done a little Q&A, and we'll continue to pick that up as we get closer into the season and attend different practices and games, so... Follow us on Twitter, follow the website, follow the podcast, follow the Instagram. I'm sorry for all the requests. 
We just got to do uh, we got to do the paperwork at the top of the podcast before we uh, dive into our interview with uh, Mike Tanier. Uh, our episodes will continue to run every Thursday morning throughout the summer. I don't foresee us taking any uh, breaks leading into training camp, even when the NFL schedule gets a little quiet this time of the year. There's always different things to talk about, uh, particularly as some news trickles out of OTAs. And we are joined by this week's guest now, Mike Tanier of the Bleacher Report and of the Bleacher Report app. Joining us now to talk about the New York Jets offseason along with a few other issues. Mike, thanks for taking the time for joining us. Always a pleasure. You know, I'm down here in Philadelphia. I'm watching Carson Wentz and Nick Foles, but I can't stop looking at the, at the Twitter line to see what's going on with Sam Darnold and what's going on with Jets OTAs with the quarterback situation. It is a rare positive situation for the Jets right now at the quarterback. We're reading about Teddy Bridgewater looking healthy and playing well. We're reading about Sam Darnold getting first-team reps. Josh McCown yeah. is still floating around and is 75 years old. It's much better than a year <laughs> ago when we had Christian Hackenberg hitting reporters with footballs and Bryce Petty doing whatever it is that he does. So you tell me. I mean, you you were a fan of the Jets' offseason approach at quarterback, a fan of the Darnold pick. How would you handle their quarterback situation heading into this year. To be fair, I became a fan of the offseason approach when Sam Darnold came. When they traded up to third overall, I thought that there was a potential for disaster there. But, you know, all's well that ends well, and I think they got the quarterback, the best quarterback that they could have gotten under the circumstances. The way I would handle things, ideally, is that, you know, Josh McCown would enter training camp as the starter, the nominal starter. And I think everybody in the world, including Josh McCown, including Bridgewater and Sam Darnold, would know what that means, that he's the hurdle to climb over. And I think the opportunities would be there uh, for Sam Darnold to, as he, uh, as he develops, as he becomes more viable, to get more chances with the first team, to get chances to start preseason games, and, 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 and to make all of those opportunities available and to see if he hits them. Uh, I think Teddy Bridgewater, he's kind of the, the third wheel or the third rail in all of this, and you look for opportunities where maybe you can trade him or maybe he's the guy that you count on if McCown gets hurt along the way or something like that. But the whole goal for this is you should be using the other two as opportunities for Sam Donald to learn at his own pace, but to quicken that pace and to make it possible for him to, if he succeeds, uh, be a week one or early in the season starter. What do you think is the best case for a trade scenario for Bridgewater? This is something that Jet fans are talking about a lot. Let's say Bridgewater looks like 80% of the guy he was in 2015 in the preseason what do you think you could potentially get back from him, and what type of team or what teams, barring an injury, could potentially be interested in acquiring him? See, see that's the major word, barring an injury, because if you get an injury someplace, I'm thinking of places like Miami, if you get a setback with a Ryan Tannehill or something like that, you're going to turn around and see people offering day two type picks for a Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, but we don't like rooting for injuries, and we can't anticipate things like that. This, I, I'm anticipating the more of late in training camp. You know, McCown is healthy, and Sam Darnold is doing everything he needs to do, and teams are coming. I, I hate to disappoint fans who see uh, Jimmy Garoppolo trade happening or something like that, but what you'd probably see is a fifth, sixth-round pick, something along that lines, to a team that's saying, uh, we need depth at this position. We, we need depth. Uh, the Houston Texans need depth at quarterback. I, I believe that the Panthers need depth at quarterback. There's a lot of other teams that say we could use Teddy Bridgewater both as a backup 
and sort of a nudge and push guy for a starter. If we have a starter who might be getting older or somebody who's a really young guy who still might need a, an insurance policy, there will be a market for him, assuming he's healthy and, like you said, close to 80 90%. It's not that market that I think uh, people run away with on sports talk when they say, well, we can, we can get a Garoppolo deal and we'll get a second-round pick and we'll go get a wide receiver for it. I don't think that's in the cards at all. Going back to Darnold, how surprised were you that – when everything shook out, it ended up being Baker Mayfield at number one and that the Giants passed on taking a quarterback at number two. And do you think either of those teams will ultimately end up regretting that decision, even if you weren't sold on Darnold necessarily being the consensus top overall quarterback in the class? I think the Browns did a great smokescreen job up until about the last 72 hours of, of broadcasting that Donald was the guy. I kind of assumed that in mock drafts. I assumed that. I was like preparing things for, uh, for that eventuality. And, and so they hid their intentions with Baker Mayfield, which I think were their intentions for weeks. They did that very well. So that was a mild surprise. Uh, the Giants' handling of things was, uh, was also a surprise. Not so much that they settled on Sa- Saquon Barkley, but the way they did it, the way they resisted trades, the way that they didn't listen to a team like the Buffalo Bills that might have come with an offer or some of the other teams that might have uh, approached them to move up. The Giants are the team that I think might wind up regretting this in the long run. I think in the short run, we're going to watch a really exciting, fun offense this year. And you know, Maybe it's an eight-win, nine-win team with Odell Beckham and Saquon Barkley. The long term is a reality. We all know how old Eli Manning is. We, we don't necessarily know the quarterbacks that they do have behind them, what they're capable of. If Kyle Oletta or Weber, one of those guys, isn't a quarterback of the future, they could be a year or two from now saying, oh, we've got a, a running back, which is great. We don't have a quarterback, and we passed up our opportunity to get one. What do, what do you think of the current infrastructure that Sam Donald is walking into? The Jets were 5-11 and last year, obviously have holes on both sides of the football, maybe outside of the safety position after last year's draft. They will have probably about $100 million in cap space next year. We'll still have their first round pick. You know, maybe that ends up being somewhere in the, you know, five to 15 range, depending how many games they end up winning this year. But what do you think of the the situation he's walking into from the current roster, the future resources, and also the the current coaching staff and and front office that they have in place? Uh, Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, of two minds about it. I, I was concerned that they didn't do enough. Uh, I, I always get worried when, we, when we're bragging about the cap space and the, and the future picks, and it's three or four years into, a, into an organization's rebuild, and we're still bragging about those things. You know, uh, teams like the Philadelphia Eagles won a Super Bowl and, and don't worry about their cap space and all, and, and they were uh, in as bad shape two years ago. I think that there were some things I was very happy with the way that the, the Jets did them. I think getting Spencer Long was a good idea. I think that they uh, did a, a pretty good job of getting, upgrading the offensive line a little bit. I think bringing in Terrell Pryor doesn't hurt at all. Um, Overall, I just wish he had more of an offensive support network coming in. I look at this receiving crew, and I see a lot of guys who look like great number three receivers to me. I don't necessarily see a number one unless Pryor repeats uh, his Cleveland success, which really was only a handful of games. I don't see an absolute bell cow at running back. I see a lot of guys who are helpful at running back. Uh, uh, you know, a lot of uh, Crowells and, and, and Bilal Powell, who we know can get the job done, Elijah McGuire. I don't see somebody say, oh, you can go to him 25 carries a game. I don't see anybody like that at tight end. The offensive line, like I said, I like Long. I like some of the upgrades that they've made there over the last two years. It's not like this dominant situation like, say, like, like Dak Prescott, for example, got into a couple of years ago, which was an extreme example, but there's enough there. Uh, it's not, it's not a, a bare cupboard either. And if the idea is that 
Sam Darnold can learn at his pace this year, expectations are reasonable this year, and then the opportunities come in next year to improve, that's not crazy. Uh, I don't think that's a crazy plan. I do worry about how you get to year five and you're still talking about these rebuilding plans, but now you've got the quarterback, I guess that's when you start the clock again and you say, let's see what they can do this year and what they can accomplish if they can bring in some guys next year. Where do you feel the Jets fit in as it stands right now next to Miami and Buffalo, two teams who also, despite Buffalo being in the playoffs last year, who are also in transition? And how did you feel about Buffalo's route in the first round at quarterback and also Miami's decision to stand pat with Ryan Tannehill? There have been some rumors that they could be interested in making a move for a quarterback, but as it stands now, they're going to go with Tannehill, while Buffalo is going with the interesting duo of A.J. McCarron and Josh Allen, and also, of course, Nathan Peterman. We can't forget him as well. So how, how do you feel that outside of New England, who we know is going to be the favorite and arguably the AFC's favorite as well, how does this rest of the division look both in the short and near term? Well, who can forget Nathan Peterman? Because when the Bills Mafia guys break the table and then they have to wipe the beer up, they're going to be using the Nathan Peterman jerseys that they all went out and wore and were wearing during that start next year, uh, last year. Uh, but, uh, okay, let's, let's unpack a lot there. I don't like the way the Buffalo Bills are doing things at all. I think yeah, the Jets got a better quarterback uh, in the short term and probably long term in Darnold and Allen. I think the Jets have done more to actually – address some of their needs. I think the Bills have gone in the opposite direction. You look at the Bills' offensive line, obviously Richie Incognito had some issues recently, but he was out the door anyway in that game. They lost their center. They made some. Uh, uh, they brought back some guys, but not enough guys there on their offensive line. Uh, their wide receiving core is, is ridiculous. It's, you look at it and you're shocked that this is, these are actually supposed to be starting wide receivers. Uh, and, and they put most of their resources in defense. I think the Jets at least move their, de- their resources around a little bit, both financially and, and in the draft, to make sure there's some people around Darnold and there's some people on defense as well. So I'm going to put the Jets ahead of the Bills in the present and really in the future. It's a better rebuilding plan, probably a better team next year or close to it. The Dolphins, you know the Dolphins, they're exceptional at, at getting right between 7 and 9 and 9 and 7, staying there for the rest of all eternity. They're kind of in the same place there. Yeah, if you tell me that Tannehill's going to come back, he's going to look okay, they've got enough weapons there, and they're going to win nine games, and they're going to squeak the wild card, I'll believe you, and I'd say maybe they finish ahead of the other two teams. If you ask me who's better set for two years down the road or three years down the road or even 2019, I would put the Jets ahead of the Dolphins as a team with a plan for the future as well. You're, uh, you're not buying Danny Amendola and Frank Gore two years from now as a key building blocks for the Dolphins? <laughs> it's been an interesting – Mike Tannenbaum, man, he does some interesting things. Oh, uh, Tannenbaum knows how to spend money. He doesn't know how to spend it well, but he knows how to spend it. I'm not going to lie to you. I was flicking over to their depth chart. All I remembered was old guys, old guys, old guys, and I couldn't remember the old guys. And now I say, you're right. Yeah, Frank Gore and Danny Amendola. This is a team that's like, oh, we're changing the culture. We're changing the culture. You change the culture by winning, not by bringing old guys in who were good a few years ago and, and say yes, sir, a lot and can yell at rookies. You do, you do it by actually physically getting better. I think that the, the, the Dolphins are going to find that out the hard way probably in two seasons, maybe not this year. All right. Well, speaking of changing the culture, and before before we wrap here, the NFL late last week came out with a new policy requiring players to stand for the national anthem. They have the option to stay in the locker room. If they do come out and protest, they will be fined. This passed unanimously from all the owners. However, immediately after the policy was announced, Jets' interim owner, Christopher Johnson, brother of Woody Johnson, while Woody Johnson is serving as ambassador to the U.K. for President Trump, came out and said that he would 
pay the fines for any players who wanted to continue to protest. Johnson was generally well-received by the players in the locker room last year in his first year as an interim owner, stood out, locked arms with them during the uh, national anthem. Jamal Adams has publicly responded positively to it. Antonio Brown has, along with a few other players on their team. Um, It's been interesting watching it play out. Among the Jets fan base, I think there's been a loud, <laughs> a loud minority who's said things like they're canceling their season tickets and have written some mm-hmm. incendiary things on Instagram. But for the most part, I think most fans, at least that I've seen and followed, have either been indifferent or have thought it was a positive thing that the Jets were one of the few organizations who spoke out about it in that way. What what has been your thoughts overall on the situation and then of an of an owner like Christopher Johnson, who's only an interim owner, sticking his neck out there a little bit from a usual, you know, uniform response of owners and saying he would pay the fines. Boy, brothers are brothers, aren't they? Yeah, this is like uh, Richard Lionheart and King John a little bit here. I'm going to go to another country now, and you're in charge, and you're going to do things totally opposite of uh, of the way I do them. I could picture like my brother and I like fighting over a company the same way. Uh, that part's funny. Again, there's a lot to unpack here. Um, I want to give you a little bit of, uh, of, of old teacher wisdom because I was an old teacher. I, I taught for years. And if you tell the class that you kind of believe in them and support them and that you're, you're not going to make a big deal out of something they do, they're probably not going to do it. If you, if you tell them, you know, hey, this is a safe place. We, we respect you. You don't have to go make a crazy protest. There's a good chance they will not make a crazy protest. So however you feel about that, being a little bit conciliatory and a little bit reasonable is actually the best way to prevent anything from happening. The NFL has never figured this out. If they had not said anything last week about, about anthem protests, we would not be talking about anthem protests right now. The other thing, and I'm speaking specifically right now to that angry fan, because you know, I, I tend to be progressive politically, and I, you know, I can explain that stuff until the cows come home. Uh, when you broadcast to the NFL that you're a team that, that will listen to the players a little bit more and, and be a little bit more reasonable towards the players' expectations, their rights, whatever – and you have $100 million in cap space, you're going to be somebody who's going to be remembered by some of these players. Whatever they think of anthem protests or not, they're going to say this is an organization that's going to treat us like men and, like, and with respect, and we're going to go there. And if it's between this organization and the Texans or somebody who goes hardcore, you could wind up getting that free agent. So there's a lot of good business reasons for being a little bit more of a moderate on this anthem situation, even if you don't like the protests or even if you want to stop the protests, there are just good dollars and cents reasons to be a moderate. And that, that's before we start talking about anything like uh, you know, the, the cause of the protest or, or the, its value or anything like that. So there's a lot of logic to what, to what Johnson has done here, and I'm surprised other teams haven't taken the same opportunity. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how all this plays out when NFLPA's response is. And like you said, I think the NFL just poured more gasoline on this fire (laughs) with everything that came out late last week. And never a dull day, right? There's never an offseason for this Mm -hmm. league. Mike Tanier, thank you for taking the time for joining us. Follow him on Bleacher Report. Make sure to download the Bleacher Report app for more of his content. And, uh, hey, when the Jets are competing for a Super Bowl with Sam Darnold under center, we'll talk again. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll talk to you again in uh, 2022 then. I appreciate it, Jeff. <laughs> Listen, I'll take 2022. It's not that bad. I can, wait. <laughs> I can wait a few more years. All right. Thanks, Mike. Always a pleasure. Bye-bye now.